The Shanahan system is taking NFL offenses by storm, but did you know that the origins of that system are very tightly bound to New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator Clint Kubiak? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? I am your host, Ross Jackson, New Orleans native, New Orleans Saints expert, and credentialed media member covering those New Orleans Saints as a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. On today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at Keith Williams, who's reportedly set to become the New Orleans Saints' next wide receiver coach, what a former player had to say about how important Coach Williams was to his early development. We're also going to be taking a look at some free agents that have already hit the market as of Monday afternoon that wouldn't impact the New Orleans Saints compensatory formula or any a good fit for the Saints. And to kick us all off, we're going to be taking a look at the origins of the Shanahan system and why they're so tightly bound to Clint Kubiak that it makes Clint Kubiak the right decision to bring that system here to New Orleans, despite the fact that he only had one year of experience with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. We appreciate you as always for being an everydayer here on the Locked On Saints podcast. And of course, for making us your first listen of the day every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On for $20 off of your first order. All right, so to kick us off today, I wanted to revisit one of our earlier conversations around New Orleans Saints' new offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak, and one of the big questions that's consistently asked around him. He spent one year in San Francisco. Is that enough to bring the Shanahan system to New Orleans? The answer is yes, but it's not really about that one year in San Francisco. In fact, it's not even about Clint Kubiak. It's not even about Kyle Shanahan. It's about their fathers, Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak. That's really where the beginning of the Shanahan system takes place. Everything, misdirection, running the same play out of multiple different formations and looks play action, uh, boot action, using uh, motion to eye candy, things like that, window dressing to sort of challenge the eye discipline of NFL defenses. That didn't start with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. It didn't start with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. It didn't start with Kyle Shanahan in Houston, who, by the way, when he was in Houston as the OC, he was under who? Gary Kubiak, Clint Kubiak's father, was the head coach for the Houston Texans. And before all of that, You go all the way back to the days of the, what, 94 San Francisco 49ers, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, working together to bring a Super Bowl ring to San Francisco, another Super Bowl ring to San Francisco. And sure, they had the help of, you know, a little old guy by the name of Steve Young. (laughs) That's fine. But then they go from there. And by the way, at that point, Mike Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, Gary Kubiak was the uh, quarterbacks coach. The two of them, Mike and Gary, Shanahan and Kubiak, they transitioned from San Francisco to Denver. Mike Shanahan gets a job as the head coach there, and Gary Kubiak follows him over as the offensive coordinator. Now, again, they're lucky. They luck into another good quarterback situation of Peyton Manning, but after that, Brian Greasy, and they put together a top NFL offense, doing those things, doing those same principles. So when we ask the question about whether or not Clint Kubiak is qualified 
to bring the Shanahan system to New Orleans? The answer is yes, because the Shanahan system is really the Shanahan Kubiak system. Now, Gary Kubiak did a little bit differently when he went on his own and he was doing more play calling and things like that before Kyle Shanahan joined him over in Houston. It was a little bit more of that, you know, cold sort of, you know, he was working with uh, Kevin Stefanski and stuff like that. It was a little bit more of sort of a narrow selection of plays, half a dozen to a dozen plays that you get to know very well that are the DNA of your identity. Do those plays in different sequential order to throw defenses off and all these other things. So then you take that principle, playing the songs that you know, you add them to the Shanahan version of this, which is a little bit more of an expanded playbook, more personnel groups, more formations, things like that. And you line them up side by side and there's not much different. Still a lot of motion, still a lot of play action, still a lot of the same principles. You can go back to the 90s, you can go back to the 80s and find pieces of this offense. The difference though is that Clint Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, it was their dads that developed this whole offense. So now you've got a Clint Kubiak who's worked directly with his dad, Gary Kubiak in Minnesota, went on his own to Denver for a couple of years, and then transitioned over to the Kyle Shanahan version of the offense over at San Francisco. And basically, you're just picking together, picking apart little pieces that you like and putting them all together to create the system that will be here in New Orleans. And now the question that you have to ask is, can the system mold to the players and can the players mold to the system? I think the latter is a little bit more of a, uh, the, the question that should be asked than the former. You build the system to win, but you build it in such a way that it maximizes the players and, their, and, and what they're best at, absolutely. But do you have the right players to be able to do that? Sometimes you don't and you have to make changes. That's okay. That's fine. But to the answer or to answer the question about whether or not Clint Kubiak with only one year in San Francisco, can bring the Shanahan offense to New Orleans? The answer is yes, because he doesn't have just one year of exposure to it. He has effectively a lifetime of exposure to it. At He'll be 37 years old. Like he just turned 37 on like the 17th or something like that, like just a few days ago. And most of his life, his dad has been coaching that system and has been working with Mike Shanahan, has been working with Kyle Shanahan in Houston, all of that. And if you look back, at those Gary Kubiak offenses when Mike and Gary went separate ways, you find that there's a lot of top 10 offenses. In fact, I think it was like 10 straight, 10 straight, 10 uh, top 10 offenses for Gary Kubiak after that. So yeah, yeah, the answer is yes. Clint Kubiak can bring that system to New Orleans. Now, will he bring a version of it that works? Will he bring a version of it that works for Derek Carr? Is Derek Carr a good fit for the system? Is Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, A.T. Perry, are they good fits for the system? So on and so forth. You have to ask all those questions. I still think that the offensive line is the biggest thing that you need to pay attention to here when it comes to molding that system here in New Orleans. I did the Mock Draft Monday episode yesterday where I uh, mocked uh, Penn State offensive tackle Olu Fashanu to the Saints, which would be a dream selection for them because that's a franchise left tackle right there. Um, not a project, not somebody that still needs to prove anything. Uh, he's got room to get better, no doubt, but every draft prospect does, whether you draft them first, 14th, or 45th, or 250th, everybody's got something to get better at. Um, but a lot of people turned around and said, well, why draft an offensive lineman when they've had so much bad luck? You don't stop swinging. You don't stop swinging. If you have your chance at a franchise left tackle, you have your chance at rebuilding your offensive line, you do that. 
you do that, especially if you're comfortable with your quarterback. And say what you want to say about Derek Carr, the Saints are comfortable with their quarterback, so they're going to swing to protect that quarterback. If they can rebuild this offensive line, get the athletes that they need, get the protection that they need, and everybody can fit in, then yeah, Gary Kubiak absolutely can bring the Shanahan, or what I'll call from now on, the Shanahan Kubiak system here to New Orleans because he might be the person with the most intimate knowledge beyond Kyle Shanahan of the origins of the offense and how it's evolved over time. And now he gets to bring its next evolution here to the Big Easy. Not a bad setup, but we'll see if it works. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at some free agents that have already hit the market that the New Orleans Saints could be interested in at really no downside if they can make the contract agreements work. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the ticketing app that I rely on day in and day out for anything that I need, sports, music, concerts, uh, festivals, uh, 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 comedy, theater, it doesn't matter. Whatever I'm looking for, Game Time has me covered. Whether I'm looking five months in advance or five minutes in advance, it doesn't matter. Game Time is always there. And they seem to be just kind of like obsessed with finding ways to keep you saving money on your ticket. So go and check them out today and take all the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code LOCKED on for $20 off of your first purchase. Once again, create an account and use that code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off of your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, family, a little bit over a couple dozen players have now hit the free agency market on Monday night. And there would be no downside to signing some of the guys that potentially make sense. But who does make sense? Let's break it all down as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always. Make it Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out the Locked on Sports Today 24-7 national sports media stream, the first of its kind over on YouTube. You can subscribe Locked on Sports Today on YouTube to be a part of that history. So the... Way that the NFL's offseason works, you everybody kind of looks ahead to, you know, March 13th is the beginning of the league year, technically, March 16th, technically the beginning of the league year, tampering periods, all those other things begin to open up. So in, in looking at all of that going into next month, we're only three weeks away. And that three week away, 21 day mark, well, now 20 day mark, but 21 day mark makes things uh, very interesting. Because as the league day changes over on the 21st day or into the 21st day, a lot of contracts void. Now, sometimes those contracts void and those players return to the same team that they were already with. That happens pretty often. I can give you one example for this offseason that that's probably going to happen with. That's Baker Mayfield, right? Baker Mayfield, his contract voided with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's now technically a free agent, but it doesn't mean he has to go and talk to anybody. He can sit back and only talk to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The tricky part is that oftentimes when these contracts void, they come with a lot of dead money. Now, Baker Mayfield would be a bad example in a dead money spot because it's only $2.3 million. Who cares? He's a quarterback. You'll keep that on the books for as long as you have to. doesn't matter. So what's happening is that as those contracts void and they're voiding ahead of or accelerated from their original end date, these guys just become street free agents. They are simply available to sign. They don't have to wait for the new league year. 
and they don't count against any team's compensatory pick formula because their contract terminated before the end of its original date, right? So sometimes you create these void years or you convert final years into void years and accelerate the end of a contract. In those cases, too bad. You know, in order for you to get a compensatory pick for a player that goes and signs somewhere else, they have to live out the life of their contract. If they don't finish throughout the life of their contract, and then they go out and they sign somewhere, it has no impact on your ability to gain compensatory selections if you're the team that that player is leaving, nor do you count against the team that you're joining's opportunity to get compensatory picks either, because compensatory picks tend to balance out. If the Saints lose David on Yamada, and he goes out there and he signs a you know, $11, $12 million per year deal, they could be in line for a fifth round draft pick, just like they are this year. But at the end of last season or, or, or in the offseason of last year, when they lost David Onyemata, had they also given somebody a $12 million per year contract, it could have, depending upon how many transactions of losing versus gaining players they had, all these other things. But if it's just those two, they cancel each other out. No compensatory pick is awarded. But if you lose that player, and then you sign players that are below that value that don't count against your compensatory pick formula, then it doesn't matter. And in these cases, it doesn't matter. I'll give you one more example. Derek Carr. Derek Carr did not count for the Las Vegas Raiders to get a um, compensatory selection, nor did he count against the Saints' ability to gain compensatory selections. He would have, in other, in other words, or you know, otherwise, canceled out one of the five compens or one of the three fifth round compensatory selections the Saints are in line for this offseason. So just to give you an idea there. And that's because that contract voided. So they signed him a month before or a week before free agency started, and it didn't matter. And even if they would have waited until free agency had started because his contract terminated before free agency opened up and the new league year began, it doesn't matter. So who are some of the free agents that are available and could they potentially make sense for the New Orleans Saints, especially considering that there's no downside in that compensatory pick formula to grab them. Now, some of the bigger names that you should pay attention to are names like Mike Evans, for instance, the wide receiver out of Tampa. He carried a $12.2 million dead cap hit upon his contract voiding. It would have been easier to keep him around and cheaper to keep him around if you would have renegotiated or extended him before that date. But because he's already now counting $12.2 million against the books, he could return to Tampa, but boy, that would have been a long, unnecessary way for Tampa to be able to do that. So if they do re-sign Mike Evans, you can still point and laugh at Tampa if you want to, because they spent an extra $12.2 million in that case for no reason at all. Now, for a situation where you're dealing with a quarterback, that wouldn't be a big deal. For instance, the Tennessee Titans, Ryan Tannehill, $9.2 million, somebody that just hit the market. I doubt he'll be back in Tennessee, nor will, for that matter, running back Derrick Henry, who counts $5.4 million against their salary. Those guys are cut. They're not cut, but those guys' contracts voided. More than likely, they're on their way out. But if you were to bring back a quarterback with a $9.2 million dead cap hit, makes perfect sense because it doesn't matter. It's a quarterback. The contract's going to have like the percentage of that dead money to their contract isn't going to isn't going to matter. You're willing to take that on. That's why I think Baker Mayfield still makes it back to Tampa. Now, <clears throat> let's look at the players that could potentially make sense for New Orleans. I want to start off at the top of the list here. One of the guys that had the largest, one of the largest dead cap hits, which by the way, the team that's signing the player no impact in terms of like that dead money or anything like that. But you can kind of get an idea of the value of that player 
based on the dead money they're leaving behind, based on signing bonuses that they were given, all these other things. Uh, left tackle Tyron Smith out of uh, out of Dallas. Now, I don't know that he's necessarily somebody, especially at his age right now, that you want to overly invest in and bring in as a starter. But if you're looking for somebody that'll come in on a veteran deal, right, or at least on a veteran handshake agreement to where, you know, you work out some things, you void some years, you do some signing bonuses, all those things, you get fancy with the numbers, as New Orleans is apt to do, especially considering that the salary cap might go up more than we expected going into this year. And you need somebody that's going to be able to come in and maybe be a veteran depth player like Trey Turner was supposed to be last year before, unfortunately, he had the injury in training camp. Or you need somebody that's going to come in behind an underdeveloped starter like a Trevor Penning just to be there in case you need to start a left tackle or start somebody else at left tackle. Tyron Smith could be one of those guys. How about looking for another box safety in case you move on from Marcus May, which seems like something that might happen this offseason. A guy like Darnell Savage could be that player. Now, he's a little bit more of a free safety, but does play down in the box as well. Micah Hyde is in the conversation as well. But at 33 years old, I don't think you really want to go there. Saints are trying to get younger, so getting younger should be the focus. Now, some interesting names. How about a reunion with defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins? That could work for New Orleans. Uh, He's on his way out from the Houston Texans. And so he's now been to a couple different teams, New York Jets, Houston Texans, yada, yada. Um, could he potentially end up being one of the reunions that makes sense for the Saints this offseason? Another name that I really like, and I know at least one staff member for the New Orleans Saints, or not staff member, but one person within the organization the New Orleans Saints really likes is pass rusher Leonard Floyd, who was uh, had his contract void from the Buffalo Bills, 32, 33 years old. Guy that you're looking at as maybe like a situational guy to come in on third downs like you utilized Zach Bond last year and then be able to come in, pin his ears back and get after uh, get after a player. Another one that could make sense uh, at that same spot coming from the Cowboys would be Dorrance Armstrong. Seven and a half sacks last year, eight and a half sacks a year before that on a rotational role. Pretty good. Maybe somebody that you could uh, maybe have a little bit of a splash with, right? In terms of a splash signing. And then finally, one other player that I think could make sense is a young tight end out of the Houston Texans, Dalton Schultz. Saints need to continue to bolster their tight end room. You've got a great tight end coach. You've got two very good starters in Juwan Johnson and Foster Moreau. Can you add a little bit more to that room and add a little bit more youth to that room as well? You most certainly can. So there are some interesting players that have hit the market here over the last 24 hours that could be of interest for the New Orleans Saints. We'll see how many of them return to their team and how many of them could potentially be true options in free agency. But any of the five, six players that we just named, if the New Orleans Saints went after them, I think they'd be pretty solid additions to this team, especially when you look at the areas where the Saints need a little bit of help. Speaking of getting a little bit of help, the New Orleans Saints look like they're about to get some help from one of the NFL's rising coaching stars and wide receiver coach, Keith Williams. Got that coming up for you as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and the official sports betting partner here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can get buckets with your first bet over at FanDuel today because right now new customers are going to get $150 in bonus bets by simply winning any $5 bet. That's like 30 to 1 odds no matter what. So you can go and find a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite, a minus 10,000 type of bet. Go out there, put $5 down for your very first bet. And if you win that, no matter what, you're going to win a tiny bit, right? You're going to win a tiny bit in terms of that heavily favored bet. But then 
you're still getting 30 to 1 odds, 150 bucks in bonus bets on your way if your bet wins. Then you can bet all that on your favorite NBA players in teams with things like quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and much more. They've even got NFL draft props up for first overall pick, second overall pick, third overall pick, and much more. So go check them out today. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. The New Orleans Saints, according to reports, are set to add wide receiver coach Keith Williams to their positional staff, filling the wide receiver coach vacancy that was left after they moved on from Cody Burns earlier this offseason. Let's break down what Keith Williams brings, and we'll discuss what one of his former players, now former players, had to say about him. Appreciate you very much making Locked On Saints a part of your day and a part of your routine. Don't forget, we are your team every day, so we'll be right back with you for more Locked On Saints and more New Orleans Saints coverage in tomorrow's episode. We'll be here every single Monday through Friday, all throughout the offseason, not going anywhere here on Locked On Saints. All right, so um, according to Nick Underhill over at New Orleans.Football, the New Orleans Saints are expected to add wide receiver or add assistant, Baltimore Ravens assistant wide receiver coach. Sorry, I'm falling apart. Baltimore Ravens wide assistant wide receiver coach Keith Williams to their staff as the wide receiver coach. Now, he's got some pretty cool ties. He's got uh, a couple of years as the assistant wide receiver coach over in uh, over in Baltimore. Uh, spent some time in Tulane uh, as a wide receiver coach. Spent some time at Fresno State, 2009, 2010, 2011. 2009 and 2011 were years that Derek Carr at Fresno State played quarterback. So a bit of his early years at Fresno State. So there's a little bit of a connection there. So it's pretty nice, right? One of the things that we talked about I think it was last week when we had heard that Keith Williams was interviewing for the job, was that um, the the ability to be able to kind of understand the way that Derek Carr processes the game from when he was laying his foundation his first few years in college to then being able to translate that back and forth when it comes to the wide receiver room could be big. We know that communication between Derek Carr and the wide receivers was a little weird last year, right? That led to some you know very outward displays of emotion, some shouting, some unnecessary kind of behavior, things like that out on the field uh, that didn't really help to bring these guys any closer together, uh, except for when Derek Carr and Eric McCoy got got into it. But after that, they got like even tighter. You know, you know, sometimes you just need to slap your best friend. <laughs> sometimes it happens. Uh, but so it it is it is an interesting connection because you can see the value of being able to translate, right? Um, I don't know why the New Orleans Saints moved on from Cody Burns, and it was a little bit of a shock to everybody. I don't know there was necessarily fully a shock for me just looking at where the Saints wide receivers struggled. They struggled with running routes. They struggled with effort. They struggled with running the right routes. They struggled with giving up on plays in certain situations and stuff like that. That's not even a Chris Olave thing. Like uh, A.T. Perry didn't really give up on a play, but I'll use this example. He thought he false started off the line of scrimmage and then just stopped. That was in Atlanta. Uh, when they were trying to throw that fade route to him in the back of the end zone, he just stopped. And you look to the A.T. Perry press conference at the end of the season after the Falcons game here in New Orleans, and he discussed that to where he you know, thought he had false started at that point, so he didn't finish running the route. And then in that game, when they kind of the rematch, the second game between the two teams, uh, they ran the same thing, but over on the left side of the field, and he ran it, caught a touchdown, and then caught another touchdown later on. And one of the things that he talked about was that he learned from that moment of like false starting, giving up on the play, but he didn't hear a whistle, thought he heard a whistle, whatever, but didn't, you know, didn't follow through on the play that he should have just kept going to not make that same mistake or any kind of mistake like that the next time that he was out on the field. 
And you didn't see that from A.T. Perry moving forward. So, you know, you could see kind of the growth that took place, but you also see the struggles that were there for some of these guys as well. And now you're about to completely revamp your wide receiver room. You've gone from having six, seven wide receivers on your roster to walking into 2024 right now with three, right? And yes, as I always caveat, Rashid Shahid's a restricted free agent, so technically he's not a saint, but will be a saint, right? It's going to happen. Um, ain't nobody worried about that. So you look at how a guy like Keith Williams can come in and maybe help all of that happen. Let's go to uh, one of the most recent sort of conversations around him, Zay Flowers, who was uh, or is a uh, Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, worked with Keith Williams, uh, not only at Baltimore, but also worked with Keith Williams over at the Shrine Bowl, told a great story about that over in the 2G, 2Gs in a pod uh, podcast. And he was discussing a bit about how when he was at the Shrine Bowl, he wasn't, um, he wasn't practicing. And Keith Williams walks up to him and asks him, why aren't you practicing? And he says, well, you know, you've seen it, like the tape speaks for itself kind of attitude and things, not attitude, but you know, tape, tape speaks for itself kind of confidence, right? Like, I don't, I'm not mad at Zay Flowers for that. Uh, don't go out there and practice if you feel like you're going to get hurt. Like the tape speaks for itself, the tape speaks, tape speaks for itself. And, and so he goes in to do an interview with Keith Williams at one point, I, I assume for the Baltimore Ravens as they meet with every prospect and all that. And Keith Williams basically tells him, I don't want to talk to you. You're not practicing. I don't want to talk to you. And so Zay Flowers decides he's going to suit up the next day and practice, a little bit of motivation there, goes off and then gets the meeting with Keith Williams. And Keith Williams is like, all right, I see why you didn't practice, right? And he also talked about on that podcast in the NFL when, you know, then Keith Williams and the Baltimore Ravens draft Zay Flowers to Baltimore. Um, they, he talked about how he hears Keith Williams' voice on the field all the time. Make sure you get a good release. Make sure you, you know, dip your hips. Make sure you drop your leg. Make sure you you know, get out of your, your brake clean, like all these other things. He kind of just discussed sort of a little bit of the coaching stuff. Um, you know, uh, James Jones, who's a you know, former veteran wide receiver, a lot of success in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers and the then Oakland Raiders, um, spoke very highly of Keith Williams as well, as well as the things that make him a good coach and all. And you can just kind of see it. I think a lot of people get a little bit bogged down by the wide receiver production in Baltimore, right? And they kind of look back and they go, oh, well, you know, the Baltimore Ravens didn't really have a lot of really, didn't really have uh, you know, a lot of wide receiver production. And it's because everybody's relying on what are the final stats, right? What are the final stats that the Baltimore Ravens wide receivers had in 2020, 2021 or 2020, yeah, 2021, 2022, and 2023? Oh, the stats weren't good, blah, blah, blah. We don't box score watch here on Locked on Saints. We don't do that. We look at the tape, right? And if you go to the tape and then you try to look at the things that these wide receivers do well, the releases are clean. There's a, a, a diverse release set, whether you're looking at Odo Beckham Jr., who's been doing it for a while, or Zay Flowers in his first year in the NFL. You look at the releases, you look at the uh, the getting in and out of breaks, the clean cuts, you look at the, the fact that there weren't a ton of drop passes. You had some drop passes. Every team's got drop passes, things like that. But uh, you look at the ability to uh, you know run routes at all three levels of the field. There are different things to look at than just how many receptions, how many yards, and how many touchdowns did they get. Which, by the way, if you're looking at those things, you have to look at how many targets those players were given as well. So y you have to look beyond, and and it's what we always try to do here: look beyond just what the digits say and look at what everything says. Try to tell the full story. And I think when you look at Keith Williams' uh, track record, there's positives to take away from. And we have to remember, too, that he was the assistant wide receiver coach in Baltimore as well. So where he was involved, where he wasn't involved might have changed depending upon who he was working with and what year it was and all those other things. 
So I'm not here to say that Keith Williams is a home run hire. I'm not here to say that the New Orleans Saints are going to have the best wide receiver core because they hired Keith Williams as their wide receiver room. But I will say this, the New Orleans Saints hired Keith Williams because they feel that he brings that potential. And that's the thing that they're going to make that decision on. For me, when I look at the hire, what I'm trying to figure out is, are they going to be able to get better out of their wide receivers in 2024 than they got out of 2023? And that feels like an achievable situation, right? That feels like a pretty achievable goal. And I think too, that having to kind of move all of this into a new conversation, offensive scheme-wise, no Michael Thomas very likely, um, you know, attacking new areas of the field, actually attacking the middle of the field, all those other things, that as you're looking at how this offense is changing, then you're trying to find the right coach that can get your wide receivers ready for those changes. And it sounds like to me, the New Orleans Saints believe that Keith Williams is the coach. So don't rely just on the numbers or the digits in the box score. Let's look a little bit deeper than that. All right, y'all. I appreciate you very much for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day again here today and for being every day or here on the show. Don't forget to go and check out Locked On Pelicans as well as Locked On LSU to keep up with everything going on around Locked On Louisiana. Appreciate you very much for making Locked On Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the families are with them, how you live, and let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.